When it comes to the job interview, that last chance to really sell yourself, there are a number of different strategies that you can try. Of course, that means some people are simply going to fake their way through it. However, an experienced interviewer will know exactly which candidates are authentic. Tim, if you are interviewing with me and if I get the sense that you don't believe the words coming out of your mouth, why should I? And if, and if I don't believe them or I get the sense that you're sitting there and you really don't believe what you're saying, then why would I put you in a room that included our best client, our best prospect, my boss? Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Tim Muma. We're back with another installment of Myth versus Reality here on Moving Up the Ladder. And the topic this time around is the interview. We're going to squash some myths and also give you the best insight into nailing this often final step in the job hunting process. Now, we're happy to have back with us today Mike Perry. He's the president of Zarka Financial and a man with an incredible amount of experience when it comes to the job interview. Mike, always glad to have you on LGN Radio. Thank you very much, Jim. It's great to be here. Now, we're bringing back Moving Up the Ladder Myth versus Reality segment. I know a lot of people do enjoy it. Kind of a quick-hitting look at some of these statements and phrases that on the surface might sound like they're reality, but a lot of times we find out they're a myth or vice versa. Sometimes we don't think they're true, and in reality, we should pay attention to those. So we're going to focus on the interview today, obviously a place of expertise for you, Mike. Uh, as we've done before, I'll give you that statement. You let us know if it's a myth or reality, and, uh, and then give us some insight into that. Sound good? Great. Sounds great. Let's go. All right. First one, the interviewer will see it as unprofessional or rude if a candidate takes notes during a job interview. What do you think? Huh. Absolutely a myth. And, hmm. and, you know, Tim, unfortunately, I speak with more and more people that I've helped right out of their mouth. They say when I tell them, oh, you should be taking notes, they're, 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 their eyes, you know, get big <laughs> as saucers and they go, well, Mike, oh, my gosh, no, they'll think I'm rude. And I'm like, who told you that? Because, number one, it's the complete opposite. And when we interview people, what we're really doing is we're kind of giving you a visual look and imagining you in a meeting with, uh, you know, my colleague, right. my supervisor, your, your colleagues, what you'd look like in a conference room or whatever in this organization. And if I think you're going to go to an important meeting and you're just going to sit there and you're not <laughs> taking notes – and you're not going to follow up with questions or whatever from those notes or cl ask for clarifications, I'm starting to sit there and wonder, hey, uh, you know, how effective are you really going to be? Sure. And as an interviewer, what I like to see is I like to see you, you know, jot the notes down. And I don't mean that you should never look up at me and have eye contact. I want you to, to see that you feel there are important notes that you want to take. And then I want to hear you go back and say, well, Mike – you know, you said something a couple minutes ago about expanding into a couple other regions. You know, let me, let's go back. I want you, could you clarify this? And then I want to talk to you about how I've done that in the past. It gives the candidate a good point from which to launch some subsequent clarifications and some other questions that really can be very impressive during the course of the interview. I really like that thought as far as getting those notes down and then you have sort of a later dialogue about the notes you took or maybe you have questions about something like you noted there. I think that uh, I think that is a very important part of it. Now, there may be interviewers who've never seen that. They may have never seen a candidate bust out a notepad and start taking notes. If you're the candidate, is it polite to just ask, like, hey, do you mind if I take notes or do you think it's fine if you just have it on the table ready to go? I, I think you always come prepared with it. If for whatever reason it just has a, a point of function you can ask, 
or if you get a vibe that for whatever reason the person kind of gives you that raised eyebrow look when they see you walking in with a portfolio, right. you could then say, you know, I like to take notes to make sure I get all the uh, information down and it helps me with some follow-ups. Is that okay with you? In other words, you've, you've actually primed the pump by saying, here's all the positive reasons I do that. And Tim, honestly, if the person says, no, I really don't want you to take notes, <laughs> Tim, what does that tell you about this person? Because mm-hmm. now you as a candidate, you've got to sit there and say, wait a minute, if my taking notes is going to offend the person who's going to be my boss, how am I ever going to make sure I'm doing everything correctly? You know, it's CYA, too. If you're in a meeting, you want to make sure you got down or feel you, you wrote down the things that were told to you. And it helps protect you, and frankly, it helps you to be more efficient. The whole process helps, I think, the interviewer and the candidate find out a lot about each other. And remember that the this is not just me interviewing you, Tim. Mm-hmm. It's you interviewing my company, our culture, you know, the, the other interviewers to make sure that, hey, gee, am I, Tim, am I going to be a, a, a fit for Mike's organization? And the other thing that I really have found, and, and I think a lot of candidates find that's a benefit of taking notes, is, is it fuels the ability to highly customize a thank you note. Now, I just talked to the other day. I helped a gentleman. He had a bunch of interviews actually this morning, and he had a series of interviews, and a couple of them had two or three people in them. He took pages and pages of notes because he <laughs> wants to get back and say, well, Tim, you know, thank you very much. And when you mentioned X, I got really excited because, as I mentioned, one of my strengths is Y. Right. Tim, if I talk to six or seven people during the course of three or four or five hours at a, at a company, Tim, are you going to remember all that was said by each of those different people? And to me, that helps you write individualized, customized thank yous that are much more powerful than just everybody gets a, hey, thanks a lot for interviewing me. I think that's a great tip and an important aspect of it there, as you mentioned, the follow-up and that personalization, I think, uh, a bonus tip to the idea of taking notes within that interview. All right, let's go to the next statement then. Self-confidence plays a huge role in how a candidate is perceived by the interviewer. Well, absolutely a reality. Uh, Let me put it to you this way, very simply. Tim, if you are interviewing with me and if I get the sense that you don't believe the words coming out of your mouth, why should I? Right. And if, and if I don't believe them, or I get the sense that you're sitting there and you really don't believe what you're saying, then why would I put you in a room that included our best client, our best prospect, my boss, my peers? Because hiring you is a reflection of me. And, and if I don't have some superstar in there as part of my team to kind of showcase to other people... That, who's confident and passionate about our, our team or his particular work, why would I put myself in that position? Simply, I won't. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get someone who, when I could sit back and let that person run with it, and I'm going to be proud to let them do so. I'm not going to be sitting there holding my breath, thinking, oh, please, don't embarrass me. I, I can't do that. And so I, I have to have a confidence in you, but that comes from – Everything I see you doing, the way you interact with other your coworkers, and the way you interact with me, that you've really got it. That doesn't mean you dig your heels in on everything. Mm-hmm. It just means that you're confident in in the positions that you take, 
and the, and the direction that you're that you're taking on on projects or or work or just how you speak to people. Now, do you have any advice for the candidates out there? Because I feel there's this concern that if you speak too highly of yourself or you go too far, that you're crossing into that you know arrogance versus confidence. Is there anything you could point to to help out those candidates, make sure that they're not going that far, but they're just exhibiting that confidence you're looking for? You know, that's a great question, Tim. And, and there is that line you cross. And I think the simplest way uh, for a candidate to avoid that pitfall is to uh, a minimal use of, you know, it, it can't be I, 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 mm. me, 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 me. Right. And I, I think that begins to look patting yourself on the back over and over again. But if I talk to you about I had the opportunity to lead my team and, and for four straight quarters, that team had the highest production and, and the team got an award for that. In other words, yes, inherently it was me leading the team, but it's all about the team. It's not so much me. But what have I really told you, Tim? If you're that that supervisor, you're looking at, is this person a potential game changer? Hmm. Well, gee, he got his team to be a game-changing team under his dynamic leadership. But if, if all you do is come into my office and say, yeah, I did this and I did that, and <laughs> if I put you in the midst of a team – they're going to strangle me as a boss and say, what did you put that guy here for? <laughs> he, he takes credit for everything. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, there is a line. And so if you're trying to tell me you're a very team-centric team player, even though I'm looking for a leader, you can be a great leader without everything being look at me, look at me. I'm going to tell you something. The results make me look at you. I don't need you to tell me to look at you. Matter of fact, I think we've all heard some version about, you know, my father used to tell me this when I was young. If you got to tell everybody how smart you are, who are you trying to convince? <laughs> no, you shouldn't. If you're really that smart, your actions will prove that to people. You won't need to tell them that. And I tell people a lot of times in your in your dialogue in the interview or or just what you put in your resume, you shouldn't have to use superlatives to identify yourself. Hmm. The results that you talk about, I will look at that and go, wow, that's outstanding. That's terrific. That's phenomenal. I will say that Hmm. as the reader, as the listener, I don't need you to say, well, I did this. It was fabulous. Well, okay. That sounds like it's your opinion. Right. Uh, Let me make that opinion. And, And Tim, the best way to do that is to compare Always, when you're telling me about a, a, an accomplishment, give me a context of comparison. So, for example, you know we're lucky enough in, here in Cleveland to have LeBron James on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, almost everybody who talks about him always says, well, he scored X thousand points by the time he was 25, and only four other players in NBA history did that. Right. Well, now I have a context of comparison of how terrific he was. And, oh, by the way, all other five are in the Hall of Fame. And so now I have a context of just how important and how outstanding is that accomplishment. You can do the same thing. There were 10 salespeople in, 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 you know, the sales of my team or my sales ranked number one or number two for 10 years in a row. No other uh, salespeople in the history of the company had ever achieved that. Wow. Tim, did I ever have to use the word outstanding and all that? No. I didn't hear it. <laughs> no. 
But yet, if you're looking for a game-changing salesperson, do you at least get the sense from my dialogue with you, the way I answered that question, that I'm a pretty darn good salesperson? Oh, sure. Definitely. Yes, because you have something to compare that metric to. And, and that's what I would tell people is give me some nice metrics, but give me a context of comparison. Don't just tell me you raised sales by 50% because, quite honestly, mathematically, that could be a do- from a dollar to a dollar fifty. That's fifty mm. percent. Right. I'd rather hear you went from a hundred million to one hundred fifty million. <laughs> That's fifty percent too. <laughs> but the dollar amount is a whole lot more uh, outstanding than fifty cents. Oh, I think that's some great insight and analysis comparing it to the sports arena. Like you said, there are always those quick breakdowns of what it means, and I think that's a great way to, to think about it in the interview. We did have a statement that was going to be kind of in the same vein, uh, talking about you know telling the employer everything about yourself, but I think we covered that whole aspect pretty well. So I'm going to go to the next uh, statement that we have about interviewing, and that is checking out the employer's site before a job interview is all a candidate needs to do to prepare. No, and I would say that's a myth. Should people do that? Of course. But here, here's a couple things people should do. First of all, you should start with the position description. To me, that's the basis of I've written down what I want you to talk about, what I want you to focus on. Mm-hmm. I want to see that reflected in your, your cover letter, your resume, and certainly in, in, in the way you answer my questions during our interview dialogue. Secondly, yes, absolutely, you should be looking at my website, and you should be tearing that thing apart. <laughs> Most websites, and I'll, I'll just assume for sake of our discussion that they're all good, they should have like an about us or our history or in the news or investor relations, and this is where they're going to tell you about their, you know, what kind of clients they have, that you're going to get a ton of information about their company culture. But that's still not enough, Tim. You need, if they're a public company, I say take another step and look. go look at financial reports from financial analysts. Well, you can go on MSN or, or, or Yahoo Finance and, and look up that company and see what those independent financial analysts are saying about a company. Tim, if you looked up a company and, and you were all excited because they're down the street from where you live and they got a big building and you're like, wow, I'd love to work there – but every financial analyst you read said they'll be out of business in six months. <laughs> do, do you want to go work there? Yeah, well, no, thank no. You. no, thanks. No, wouldn't you rather work at the one where you did enough research to find out that they're on the upswing, they're, they're headed toward the Fortune 100, they're, they got deep pockets, they, they're cash rich, or blah, blah, blah. Of course, taking the, those two, I would obviously per, to prefer the latter. Then take that another step. Look, and and so few people do this, and I really don't understand why. Look at LinkedIn. Before you go in for your interview, look at LinkedIn, and basically you can use an advanced people search to look at uh, who works at that company in the department that you want to work at. And you can read through those profiles and then start to say, do I look like those people? In other words, if they all have PhDs in quantum mechanics, and I don't even have a master's degree, Tim, do you think I'm probably going to be given really much consideration? Probably not if everyone else they've hired in that department where I want to work has PhDs. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that's a real leading indicator of who they like, of who they're – if they've already hired eight or ten people like that, I'm guessing that the 11th one is probably going to look pretty similar. <laughs> and you can drill that down one step farther. So let's say I find out that at XYZ Corp in the marketing department, it appears the director of marketing is Tim. Well, he's got to be the boss. Tim's been there five years. Now I want to look at who's been hired there in the marketing department at XYZ Corp in Cleveland over the last five years. That's going to show me who you picked. And right now, you're the guy who's picking. The person before you is irrelevant now. They're gone. You may have a totally different outlook on who you think is an exceptional candidate. Am I going to fit his mold or not? If I am then I need to be able to kind of represent that in my answers as you and I are talking. I mean, doesn't that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, and it's I love the depth that you're going to with this because, as you said, so many people just kind of skim the top of everything and figure that's going to be enough. But uh, just kind of the behind-the-scenes look to me that you're giving our listeners, I think that's uh, I think tremendous advice as far as really having an understanding of what it's going to take. And if you even want that position and work at that place, I think that's uh, stuff people don't think about enough. Think about it this way. It comes down to this. It's basically your opportunity as a candidate to come in, and yet you might have one shot, you might have five shots, but you're not going to get a second date without a first one, right? And so on that, in a sense, first date, you need to come in and convince me of two things if you want a second date. And that is, number one, why am I going to look like a genius if I hire you? Because if I'm not, if I don't get that feeling, you're not getting another shot. Mm-hmm. Number two, how are you going to help my team, my group, my division go from good to great? Tim, if I don't get the sense that you're going to help my team go from good to great and, and thus help to make me look like a genius for bringing you in, why on earth would I give you any more time? Well, I won't. So you need to incorporate the kinds of statements in your dialogue with me that makes me believe you are a that kind of game changer in order to get on to the next interview or, again, the next date. Right. Well, Mike, we're starting to get up against the clock. I wanted to get this last statement in here, and that goes, the interview really begins at first contact, which oftentimes means what the recruiter or interviewer has found online. What do you think about that? Absolutely. That is a reality. And I'll tell you, you know, look at it this way. You submit your resume, uh, somebody in the HR department or an outside recruiter, whomsoever is doing the culling out process, mm-hmm. might take 100, 200, 300, 500 resumes, however many come in for that job. And there's still dozens or hundreds that come in for each job. They're going to cull that number down to maybe 20, maybe 15, probably, to get a phone interview. And, and that's phone interviews usually by the HR person or recruiter. It isn't the hiring manager. The hiring manager is going to get a platter with maybe five or six candidates on it. Out of Tim, out of what was dozens or hundreds, this thing's been trimmed down to five or six. We think these are the best people, hiring manager, candidates. And, and honestly, at that point, I then am going to go look on, I'm going to Google your name. I'm going to see what comes up. I'm going to go to your LinkedIn profile. If one of the things, and I'm looking for a great salesperson, 
and I put in the position description and I need, you know, super networking person, and I look at your LinkedIn profile and you've got four connections. <laughs> you know what they say? There's something wrong with this picture, isn't there? You're trying to convince me in your resume that you're the, the greatest networker on earth, but you're clearly you are not. And since most, more and more people are using LinkedIn and social media to even source up prospects and, 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 and strengthen their networking, uh, you know, if you don't do that, then how are you going to get me to believe that you're a super networker? I'm going to see what are you, do you write a blog? Hmm. Are you commenting on blogs? Do you have a Twitter account? What's on your Facebook? Listen, if everything I see out there is you with a lampshade and a beer in your hand, sorry, <laughs> you're probably not my top candidate. And people need to do a digital inventory of themselves to see if I were a hiring manager looking for a game changer, would I even be interested in this Mike Perry guy mm -hmm. or not? I think people are naive if they believe that recruiters or hiring managers are not spending a few minutes – and in and, and, and a minimum, just Googling your name and see what comes up. Right. And then popping in on a couple of those to say, I, this person claims in their, inter, their resume they're this. Let me see. Tim, if you're telling me you want to be a project manager, shouldn't I see you belonging to groups on LinkedIn that, about, with project management people or marketing and sales people or, or other things that make me believe you're trying to stay on top of, of your game in that part of the industry. Tim, if all I see is your connections are everyone with your same last name and you're in no groups or things that are totally unrelated, what does that tell me about you? Well, it tells me a lot. And you may quickly be eliminated and be sitting there at your house going, well, gee, I, I, all my skills are right. Why didn't they pick me? Mm -hmm. Well, go look at yourself online and see what you look like to everybody else in town. That's where most people are making, really getting that first opinion. And, I'm, Tim, I'm going to use that stuff when you come in. I'm going to ask <laughs> you questions about what I saw online. Hmm. Interesting. I think you're right, though. You said people are naive in thinking that a recruiter, a hiring manager, they're not looking at that stuff because it's there. It's, it's openly available. And uh, as you said, if you don't do an inventory and kind of check on yourself, it can hurt you with all those other candidates out there. But, Mike, we do have to close out the show here. I really do appreciate you coming on. You can clearly hear the love and the passion you have for these topics, and I think that comes across really well to our listeners. Always a pleasure having you on. Well, thank you very much, and I look forward to our next conversation, Tim. That'll do it for us here on Moving Up the Ladder, Myth versus Reality, when it comes to the job interview. Mike Perry, president of Zarka Financial, was our guest. And, of course, we always hope to hear from you. Send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com, or reach out to us on Twitter, at the LJN. And be sure to check out all of our shows. There's bound to be some topics you'll love on there. Just go to ljnradio.com or search LJN Radio on iTunes. Thanks once again for listening. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.